Welcome to a tale of two rivals, a fantasy football podcast put on by your three-peat trash-talking, go-with-your-gut champion, and a number-loving, spreadsheet-obsessed nerd who tried to come to some sort of consensus to give you the best fantasy football content out there. Who am I joined by? You're joined by FF underscore Spaceman Dave, right? Todd, I was thought your voice was going to crack a little bit there in the intro. You held it together. Hit the high notes. Well done. Bravo, sir. Hey, we're back. T-O-T-R is back, baby. Our buddy Sean, the, the perennial plus one, is still on the DL. He's getting better, everyone. He's enjoying the show. Looking forward to Sean coming back. But yeah, looking forward to him resting up. And Todd, I'm excited to be talking to you, buddy. We caught up a lot before the show. Buddy, this is our bread and butter. Fantasy football banter. Let's do it tonight. The catch-up was good, buddy. Yep, Sean's still milking it. Definitely still milking it. Probably be back at some point. I don't know. I think he's got a hangnail. I don't know what it is. Yeah, no, dude. I mean, and my voice is going to crack. My vibrato is tight, son. Tight. Nah, yeah. Excited. Excited to do some banter. I'm excited for uh, this show topic. We're just trying to do something a little different, man. And I think this is going to be a fun one. But uh, before we get into that, you know, we, you know, want, we like to let people know how things are going. Dave, I'm going to kick it off because I, you know, I got something on my mind. So something I'm very passionate about. Uh, Dave and I both work in the special education field. And one of my favorite things is unified sports. I'm in my fourth year of coaching unified basketball, which the whole idea is it's run by Special Olympics where you're uniting all types of peers within your school community to have a unified varsity team. For a lot of my athletes, they don't have that opportunity to have that varsity school experience, and that's what unified sports does. So we're in full swing. I don't think I could ever think of a time where this is more needed for a lot of my players. Uh, we got officially two games on the schedule now after some uh, finagling over around figuring whether we can pull it off. I had an old colleague of mine from my writing days stop by and do a local story for the paper. So uh, I had some of my players be interviewed and that was fun to watch. And I'm interviewing one of my old students slash players as an assistant coach tomorrow. So this is the good stuff, man. This is the stuff when I'm in my profession that really makes me happy and proud to be part of it. So yeah, you know, choose to play unified, baby. Love it. Unified basketball, man, such a, is such a worthy an important part of the school community, man. I love, like, congratulations. I'm glad things are going. Our unified program is doing very well, getting going. Todd, well done, sir. I'm, I'm, I love to hear the positivity, the energy, because that's what it's all about. This, this is what the fun part of the job is, Todd, when working with our students is, is watching them in inclusion and having fun and, and kicking ass. So hats off to you, my friend. I got to give you my favorite answer from an interview question. And they, he asked me what the importance is of unified sports. And I said, well, it, it betters your school community. But really what it does is betters our society for when these kids are my age. That, that's what I really liked. And I, after I was done, I was like, that was poetic. Well said. So, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, I played basketball my whole life too. So it's like literally combining some of the things that are most important to me in my life. So it's pretty awesome. Love it, man. So with me... Uh, not ton update actually. So I'll just do some personal because not a ton's going on fancy football wise, but Quinn is doing really well. The, we hit 20 weeks on Friday. We got to see the ultra, uh, we did an ultrasound. We got to see every, everything's going well, which is really awesome. And then Monday, we also got to hear the heartbeat on top of that. So that's been really exciting. And then the best. Oh yeah. The best dude. That must've been huge. So, oh, good for you, man. 
it was uh, it was really awesome. It, and uh, yeah, really special too because you know, like it had been in a year. We had just it was, it marked the year anniversary of the miscarriage on Friday too. But so to go to the to go to the doctor's appointment, do the ultrasound. It was just really special, and uh, you know, it made me think, reflect a lot about the past year and how much fancy football. And I've said it a ton on the airwaves, or on and just how much fancy football has mean to me. So it, it's been, you know, it's been good to have a good solid week here. And I will say, though, a couple fancy football things. We've had some really hot, hot, hot rookie fever episodes this week. We had Michael Carter. We had Kyle Pitts, Rich Dotson from Dynasty Nerds. Derek Brown from FTN Network and Dave Cabin from Rotoviz all came in. And we, oh, and he did Javian Hawkins, which dropped yesterday with me. That was awesome. I really enjoyed talking with Dave. So, yeah, Rookie Fever is doing well. And the Patreons, Todd, lots of things are being added to the database. I'll get to that at the end. But, Todd, things are good. I, I'm just, I think hopefully people can see just how excited we are to record tonight. This is going to be a fun episode. Uh, question of the day is a good one. And actually, I have to give credit. This came from Dave, which. Uh, when Dave said it to me, it was like he was speaking like in a beautiful poem to me. It was just amazing. And he, the question is, who is your favorite March Madness winner? So I am a massive basketball fan, and I have been a UNC fan since 1993, and I became a fan of them in the most hilarious way. Pretty much, it's just a typical little brother uh, fashion. So my brother was a huge Fab Five fan. My brother's older than me, and he was cheering for Michigan big time in the 93 championship against UNC. So naturally, I decide I'm going to cheer for UNC. So that's the Chris Webber timeout game. And I remember laughing in my brother's face when it happens because he was very upset. A a fight might have nearly broken out. I definitely remember being yelled at by my parents about it and... That was enough to get me like into UNC because it got me so much attention. It was great. So anyways, the next year was Jerry Stackhouse and Rasheed Wallace's freshman year, and it was over. I was hooked. I was a UNC fan. So uh, my favorite uh, team for a championship, I almost went with the 05 team with Sean May, Jawad Williams, Felton, McCants, but I got to go with Psycho T in that, in that 2019. Tyler Hansborough was such an animal dude. Like I love the way that he played. And I, I was so happy he came back with a title. Then you got Ty Lawson, who was like lightning a bottle. Danny Green, who was fierce with that classic teabag dunk. Wayne Ellington with that smooth J. So many good role players. So that was like just my favorite, favorite championship team. So there you and, go, David. And no, people, Todd is not a 50-year-old sports fan. He is, you know, he, he's still a young pup, even though he's talked about 1997, 2000. I'm surprised we didn't get uh, John Wooden in there at all. <laughs> I did keep it to like I was alive and watched this live. Like I wasn't getting into like the Jordan, like you know the San Francisco back to back, like Bill Russell title stuff like that. <laughs> so, but for me, man, like no, nah, like yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm 37. Like I was 14 during that 97 team. So I remember that well. That was that was a big one for me. That was a big influential tournament for me. So yeah. What about you, Dave? So, everyone, Todd was talking about how it was poetic, but I actually tricked Todd into this question for me because my favorite March Madness winner is the 1999 national champion, Maine Black Bears, winner of the Frozen Four. That's right, baby. It starts off in March, just like the actual March Madness, so I'm counting it. Frozen Four, baby. In 1999, they defeated both Boston College and the University of New Hampshire in overtime in the Frozen Four. 
after two after those two teams gave them four of their five losses in the regular season. Oh, and I'll tell you, you want to talk stars. Todd was dropping some names. You want to talk stars? This is possibly the best defensive pairings in the history of college hockey in Doug Janik, Pierre Metcalf, and Robert Eck with Alfie Michoud in net and Steve Correa, younger brother of the all-time great Paul Correa, Nico Dimitrakos, Brendan Walsh, and Ben Geit, and then local legend Dan Kerlock. Oh, and Todd, this was my sixth grade self. Loved this team. One of my favorite coaches in sports history, Sean Walsh, led the team to their, that was their second title. And unfortunately, he passed away two years later from cancer, but it was just such a momentous moment in my life. I, I had met Sean Walsh and just the how the whole community bonded around. It was just a really important seminal moment for 1999 and then afterwards with Sean Walsh in, the, in our community in Maine. So that was a, a big deal. And Todd, fun fact about that national championship game. I was home alone watching the game because I, I think I started staying home alone by myself in sixth grade. And while I was watching the game, because it was on the West Coast, so no one else was home, some of the strangers in my van kept knocking or in a van kept knocking on the door to my house and started looking in my windows during the game. And I I <laughs> had the awareness to stop and turn the TV off, call my parents, called 911, ran upstairs with a baseball bat, my dog, and my parents beat the cops to my house. But these parents, Todd apparently thought I had stolen their daughter's Furby. And I've never seen, I've never owned a Furby. I didn't, they didn't know who my name was, but it was really creepy thing. So to finish the game, my mom took me to the grocery store, which was playing the game on the radio. So we sat in the grocery store for like the next 45 minutes to to watch them or to listen to them win in overtime on the uh, loudspeakers. So yeah, Maine, there we go. Go Black Bears. That was so much to just process. There was so much. So first of all, like you go off and you go with college hockey, which I respect. I respect that, you know, but what? So like, were these people trying to break into your house for a Furby? Is that essentially what was happening? That's what their story was. The police were pretty convinced that they were, it was, they were trying to abduct me essentially because they said their daughter, they didn't have a daughter in their car or anything. It was really creepy. Whoa, that was an intense story. Like, I'm supposed to do the rest of the show now? And you just drop that on me? <laughs> oh, my what, God, dude. What's funny, it doesn't even affect me. The biggest thing was we won the freaking national title. It didn't even phase me <laughs> at the time. My parents were uh, like, my mom could not believe she beat the cops to her house. She lives, she oh, works like 15 minutes away. Dude, and, that's crazy. Yeah. So that's it was crazy. I, I, I love how you were upstairs with the baseball bat and the dog. That's great. Louisville That's Slugger. Great. That's great. I, 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 if I heard Dave's actually quite the. He's a cleanup hitter, so that could have done some damage. No, wow. I was the number first, second, or eight, nine. That's why I was first, second, little league. Then I moved down to eight, nine after that. Wow, dude. That's intense. Phenomenal. Phenomenal question of the day because that came out. <laughs> Good Lord. All right. I'm going to compose myself. Today's topic we're doing a pick 'em free agent or rookie. So it's been a very active free agent period. Tons of big names in new places. Lots of big names staying in the same place. So instead of just grinding through the list, which I'm sure you've heard that in other places, not passionate. We just just don't want to get, get stuck into that, like, stuck in that mold. So we wanted to do something a little different. So let's put these free agents up against this rookie class and see where Dave and I value these guys. So what I did was I went in and I used the DLF uh, rookie ADP for March to create kind of like a sliding scale. I posted it for me and Dave. I'm not going to read it all. If you want to go see it, just go in DLF. 
and you know the March uh, 2021 um, ADP for rookies, super flex. That's what you want to be using. So really what essentially we're trying to do is seeing what kind of rookie capital are Dave and I willing to part with for some of these recent free agents. Uh, Dave, do you care to elaborate on this a little bit? And I think it's important to distinct, like we're not just saying, oh, the 101, 105. We're actually putting names to it so we can get some rookie analysis, match it with how things are changing in free agency, and just have a little fun because Todd and I are going to disagree on some stuff. I'm really excited to do this because it's kind of, because that's what we want to know. We're trying to make actionable advice for your fantasy team, moves for you to make, what our rankings are, what moves we would make in our leagues. And that's how this we're kind of using the scale to show how we're valuing the rookies and the free agents. And as we get to the second round, we'll start probably using more picks or how many rookies we have ahead of that free agent, just because you'll find that a lot of people's second rounds vary quite differently based on their philosophy or their research. And I'm sure a lot of that will be impacted by draft capital. So we go more to rookie picks instead of players there. All right, well, let's kick it off. Numero uno free agent, super flex show. We're going with Dak, baby. Where would you take Dak versus the rookies? And obviously the 101 in super flex rookie drafts is going to be Trevor Lawrence. And I'm easily taking Dak here, man. Dak is already elite. And Lawrence's hype is wild. Deserved to a degree but still wild. Yes, he's a tr- an absolutely unreal prospect, generational talent, sure. And we'd love for him to reach what Dak already is. Dak already has better re- weapons that he's going to have. He's still very young. He's proven, and he's always been a QB1. What exactly can Trevor Lawrence do that Dak already hasn't done, and he's still in his prime? So to me, Dak easily. What about you, Dave? As well, I think this is most people in fantasy are going to say Dak, unless you're a, like a, a major rebuilder. But even I don't even understand if you are rebuilding why you wouldn't want a 27 year old t- tier two at the late at the least uh, quarterback for Superflex. I love me some Dak, and I, we talked about him a lot last week, so I don't want to get into it. But I think he's actually moved up to QB three for me, and that's because he he's not like I said last week, not really boosted up by any insane efficiency. Yeah, he had a lot of passing yards, but it, not a lot of touchdowns. Not a lot of rushing touchdowns or anything like that. So I don't see a ton of regression built in there because I still think that defense is going to be bad. Great weapons. So give me some Dak over Watt or over Lawrence easily. Now, this is where it gets interesting, though, for me, Todd, is where how high does Lawrence go for us in our QB rankings? And this comes becomes a little bit team dependent because I might not want to like trade away a Russell Wilson for Lawrence because my team's a win now and I don't want to wait a year or two or possibly longer for that Lawrence to develop if that's how his, his path goes. So maybe I want Lawrence or want Wilson over Lawrence in that kind of situation. But I, don't, I think team agnostic, I want Lawrence over Burrow. So that puts, I think, Lawrence as a rookie without playing a snap is my QB8, which seems a little foolish, but it just shows you how weird the QB position right now is in Dynasty. How about you, Todd? So, I do have Lawrence at the 8-9 range. So, the way my list runs right now is Mahomes, Murray, Lamar Jackson, Allen, Watson, Prescott, Wilson, Lawrence. All right? Uh, Herbert, Lawrence. So, I have him right in front of Burrow, and I have him right behind Herbert. But I also could consider putting him ahead of Herbert. So, I'm still, like, kind of feeling that out. I feel like with Watson, Prescott, and um, Wilson... Those are guys that 
you know what? What am I talking about? Prescott's definitely ahead of Watson, by the way. So Prescott's my five and Watson's my six. I said that the other way around. So I would definitely want those three guys over Lawrence. And the thing about Lawrence is, like, I totally get where people are coming from. But remember, it's a quarterback position. We're not, we're not having that cliff like a running back or even like a wide receiver, man. You know, like, look at Tom Brady, man. Like, he's still an effective quarterback in his, like, early, like, early 40s. Like, I get it. Like, he's, like, the exception of the rule. But my point is, is that, like, you're not going to see that in other positions, you know? So, to me, it's like, yes, Trevor Lawrence's unbelievable potential. The fact that you're already slotting him as a QB1 before he's even played a pro game is amazing. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, he's probably in that 8-9 range. I'm probably, like, figuring out my feelings about him versus Herbert a little bit right now. Um, honestly, I don't really see myself having that choice anyways <laughs> right now. So, but yeah, so I'm saying, like, it's a bit of a coin toss to him and Justin Herbert for me. But I'm taking Russell Wilson, Prescott, Watson, all those other four elite guys over him. Now, you mentioned briefly how Watson's your QB6. We all know what's going on with with Watson's civil suit. We don't want to get into that. We're going to stick to the fantasy analysis part. And that does not mean that we are belittling or glossing over the what's going on Watson as far as what has been alleged against him. We just don't, us skipping over it doesn't mean that we don't think that is an, a serious issue or anything like that. But we're just going to stick to fantasy because honestly, we're ignorant about it. We don't know exactly what's going on. There's other places you guys can go for that content. So focusing just on the fantasy side of that, Todd, you said Watson's your QB6. Has he fallen with all of this, all of the news that has come out with this civil suit? Yeah, he has. And the reason he's fallen is not because I think it affects his play or anything like that. It's the fact that there's question marks around him. And Josh Allen is elite. And Dak Prescott is elite. So I rather take these two guys who I know are in the same tier as a Watson but I don't have those same questions that I do right now. I totally want to wait till the facts come out. I want to hear more. It's one of those things where that I, I'm just focusing on the fantasy piece. With all, There's nothing else going on with those two guys that are in the same tier. So he's just at the bottom of the tier for me. I still have him in front of Russell Wilson. That's mainly for a lot of other things with Wilson. Like He's got some stuff going on too, you know? And there's an age piece to that. And I also think that Watson's kind of been better than Wilson to a degree. When you want to talk about like what he's done with what cast he's had, you know? So yeah, he's fallen, but it's only because he could definitely rise back up if things end up, you know, being different later on, you know? So for now, he's dropped a few spots for two guys that are also unbelievable. You know what I mean? So it's an unreal talent pool at quarterback right now. And it's getting better over the next few years. It's crazy, man. So for me, Todd. I really liked how you how you kind of phrased that with Watson. For me, he has fallen considerably as well. He was my QB three. I think we talked about how much I loved Watson. How I even thought about putting him as my QB two at points because I thought he. I think he's as talent. I think he's in Mahomes's realm. You look at his stats from last year. His TD rate not inflated. He has the rushing. He has some rushing floor. He's incredibly accurate. One of the top two three quarterbacks in completion measure over expected and does extremely what like was almost record setting numbers as a completion percentage in a clean pocket, incredibly accurate, has the arm, his a, his just yards per attempt, every metric you want to measure Watson as a QB, he's awesome. And he did it in Houston with that supporting cast. So even if he was to return to Houston, I'm not necessarily worried. He has the ability to succeed at an elite level 
with not much around him. Now, do you want to depend on that year in, year out? No. But that just shows you how high high I value Watson. Now, he went from QB3 to me to QB7. Just for this, the reasons Todd said, you're, it's really, you're splitting hairs a lot with these quarterbacks at the top. However, the, the top for me falls to, I'll still take Watson over Wilson. I'll still take Watson over Lawrence. Even if I'm rebuilding, I still want Watson because I think that value could rebound. And if you're rebuilding too, this is, I don't want to sound dismissive, but he, if he misses a year, which I'm not sure if that's in the cards or not, but if he misses a year, you have your draft picks. It's not like it's hurting you. So I think that's just, I think Watson for me is firmly at QB seven. And it, it's really, this is a really difficult part of Dynasty, Todd, is trying to evaluate these quarterbacks who have these personal issues, these legal troubles, and how to, how to gauge them. Yeah, man, totally. And, and that's the thing, is that like with all the talent there, you can go out and go find guys that were in the same tier, like we just said. So yeah, I'm actually trying, I actually just drafted him in a very early startup, and I'm trying to see who I took him over. I had the 105 pick in a startup and it's a super flex and I took him over Herbert and Jackson. So not so bad. Um, that That's still something that kind of stings a little bit because all that kind of after I made that pick, all this kind of came out. But again, like it, it, there's a lot that needs to go through with the legal process with this. So I'm kind of just waiting until like the legal system like does its thing and we'll see what happens. But yeah, he's definitely following me for me for around some question marks. All right. So David. Number two for us was Chris Godwin. Where does he fall for you in this sliding scale for Godwin versus the rookies? So I actually spent a, a little bit more time thinking about this strategy-wise because I always need to. We've been deep into rookie evaluation. That's been we love doing it. Been diving these rookies, and in that process, you start falling in love with players. You start thinking ceiling potential. And just evaluating these players and you get excited because that's what you're spending a lot of time on these players. And I just have to remind myself, there's a there's still some significant risk when you're drafting rookies. If you're hitting a 60% on your, if you could pick one through 12 of the first round and you could hit 60, 65% of your first round picks, you're doing well according to historical averages. So there's significant risk in these picks. And so before though, before I started thinking about that, I thought, yeah, I'll definitely take ETN or the 107 over Godwin, because, you know, I like the running, I'll take running backs over the wide receiver and I'll take chase and I'll take the quarterbacks. So I'll think, Oh, I'll, I'll take ETN and 107. But then I started thinking about, you gotta remember, we just came off of some recent bias of how amazing last year's class was. It was historic what they did last year in that rookie class. And so there's a lot of optimism around these picks. I feel like fantasy players need to prepare that you're not always going to get these decisions right. And you need to take how to calculate risk. So I, I gauged it back a little bit. He's going to be, and I did all that thought to go just down to 106 and Trey Lance, because I'd much rather have Harrison Etienne and Chase in those top three of the four quarterbacks over Godwin today. And just a little nugget, according to Dynasty Trade Calculator, Chris Godwin's ranked as his value is worth the 103 in Superflex rookie drafts. And I, and I would happily take the 103 over Chris Godwin right now. Yeah, I would say that I'm, I'm in a similar place than you are. So to the sliding scale, uh, at 107 would be uh, Travis Etienne, who, if you listen to the show, you know how much I love Travis Etienne. I feel like Etienne would be the guy that I'd want to have over Godwin. It'd be really hard for me to pass on, but I could see that being something where it's a little bit of a gut check for me. I feel like that 107, 108 range is pretty much where I'd be looking at, looking to acquire Chris Godwin. And the reason why that really hit home for me is 
That 103 piece that Dave just brought out about about the trade value, Dave really talked like hard about like his ceiling on coming back to Tampa. So maybe he could be even lower for me, but that's about where I'm starting to think about acquiring Godwin. I would say I'm probably going to take Etienne at the 107. So then you look at right after Etienne, you got Kyle Pitts. If it's a tight end premium league, I like the landing spots. I'm going to think hard about that. At 109, uh, Devontae Smith versus Chris Godwin, I'll take Chris Godwin. I would say 109 is when I'm very confident that that's the time I'm going to take Chris Godwin. Still might want to look at Javante Williams just because of the, you know, the position scarcity, if he's in a good spot. But you know that Chris Godwin's floor is a, is a wide receiver too. And I don't know if the ceiling is still in that top 12 anymore. It's in the realm of possibilities. So 107 is about where I'm starting to think about it. I'm pulling the trigger at 109 with Devontae Smith. Wow, 109. So you're talking, I think, Todd, in your rankings, you were saying he was like wide receiver 15, wide receiver 16. So you're saying the wide receiver 15 or wide receiver 16, you're going to take you're going to take nine rookies over your wide receiver, like your mid wide receiver two for you? Yeah, I really like the upside in this class. I, I, I rather like roll the dice, take the risk and try to hit the ceiling on that. And this is also like we're talking about this before we've seen draft capital, landing spots that could kind of change the whole argument. But, um, you know, like we're also approaching this from a tight end premier standpoint. And I feel like Kyle Pitts has more value if he ends up in a good situation than Chris Godwin. You know, I think there's higher upside there. Travis at the end plays running back, you know, and I believe in that talent. So to me, I'm really only picking one wide receiver over Chris Godwin. And let's put it this way. When it comes to wide receiver, wide receiver is the deepest position in fantasy. Like, it's not really like if I move on and I go take that running back or I take that tight end or I take one of those QBs. To me, it's kind of like there's other players that you can go out and get a little uh, cheaper than Chris Godwin that are around the similar production level. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I get it. I think Chris Godwin's probably a little, even though he might be in the top 15, anywhere from 15 to 20 is pretty damn close. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get that. I get how that's a little surprising when you just look at it from numbers to numbers, but it's about tier, man. You know what I mean? And like, if he's at like that middle part of that tier, the top of the next tier is still pretty darn close. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I hear what you're saying about the depth of wide receiver, Todd. I just have to, I think, and Peter Howard talks about this a lot. I've been talking about this a lot recently too. Are there a lot of wide receivers who have potential? Yes. Or feel like they have some upside to be a top 24 wide receiver? Yes. However, at the end of the day, there's still only going to be top four, or there's only going to be 24 top 24 wide receivers. You know? So I think that sometimes people can talk about how good these wide receivers are or how much depth there is. But part of that needs to be remember, people need to remember when it comes to f- point scoring season that there's still only going to be 24 top 24 wide receivers. I, I'm trying to figure out how many times I can say top 24, 24 wide receivers. Todd. I, I was still following you. You know, you kept saying it over and over again. I think my point is like the difference between like, you know, wide receiver 14 and wide receiver 24. It's not that drastic. At that point, like I'm cool with the idea of rolling the dice on Etienne and Pitts. It's not really that far off what you said. Time premium that I'm like essentially just saying I want Kyle Pitts more too. I think to put it perfectly, Todd, to wrap this up, is I think that we're on the other side of tiers. I might have Godwin at the other side of a tier for you, and you kind of are on the other side of tier, and that's why there, where's that gap yep. a little bit. That I, I think that's totally true, man. That's totally true. All right. All right. So number three, we're going with Allen Robinson. This is a guy that I have him and Godwin pretty much in the same area. So he's also somebody that I would take Allen Robinson over Devontae Smith. 
I'm still going to take Pitts. I'm still going to take Etienne. I'll take Harris and all those four QBs over him. Yeah. Oh, and then Jamar Chase. Obviously, I'll take Jamar Chase over him. I mean, Robinson's a model of consistency. Really wish he ended up somewhere else. I'm fading the noise about the age 28 as a, key, as a wide receiver. I'm not worried about it. They don't age as well. I think Devontae Smith has the tendency to be great, has the ability to be great. But Robinson already is great when he's been playing with terrible quarterbacks. I guess we never clarified this, Dave. I'm thinking about this from a tight end premiere. You're starting multiple tight ends. It's like we're playing in our league. So I'm starting two tight ends, and I love the idea of Kyle Pitts as a tight end in a two tight end league that's premium. So I'd rather roll that dice with that than have Allen Robinson. Granted, we're talking about this before draft capital landing spot, but I'm very, very high on Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily looking at it from a two tight end per se point of view, because that's I think that changes things. Two tight ends changes things pretty drastically. Uh, I was just looking at maybe a tight end premium. And a whole fairness, we never said that. No, we no, never yeah, discussed yeah. that. No, but yep. that's where my head was at the entire time. So when I talk about pits, I'm thinking about it from a two tight end piece. If it's one, totally different take for me. Totally different. Also, if it's a one tight end, then like I don't really think Kyle Pitts is as valuable as people putting him on. If you're putting Kyle Pitts up this high and you only play with one tight end, you need to calm yourself a little bit. Two tight ends, totally different story. In so I was viewing it. We sh- this is something we should have talked about beforehand. But one tight end, super or one tight end like 1.5 premium or something like that. Nothing crazy. But I'd take Allen Robinson over Kyle Pitts for me. I think people, you know, this gets this gets bantered a lot. Whenever people talk about Kyle Pitts, there's two camps. One saying Kyle Pitts is one of the, is the greatest tight end prospect of all time or somewhere along that scale of how amazing he is. And there's the other, the other camp that is saying that tight ends don't usually, it's even elite tight ends take a while to develop. You see a lot of ADPs decrease. You look at Travis Kelsey. He was not a top pick. Gronk was not a top pick in rookie drafts. That's just not how a lot of tight ends enter the league. Look at Evan Ingram. Look at how his values changed. So there's a lot of, there's two camps that are going on here. And I'm from the camp of, I'll wait until that tight end hits. I don't want to pay for that gestation period or that waiting process for him to hit, even though there is, I guess, theoretically, he could hit and just explode from year one. That, that could happen. But so. I just don't value Kyle Pitts like the Kyle Pitts believers do. I think he's a very good player and, and all of those things. And he's a great prospect, but I just don't value the tight end position very much. So Allen Robinson, this and this is kind of actually really important to that we didn't talk about last week. Allen Robinson is going to be 28 years old this season. And that's the age where people start to freak out for wide receivers in Dynasty. That's because when they start to go down the curve on the age, the production age curve, and that's usually why I want to get out a little bit ahead of time. Usually, if I'm looking at a little bit long term, not quite ready to compete, I want to get out before they hit like age 27 and people start to whisper things. However, I have Allen Robinson in 80% of my leagues because those leagues I'm trying to compete. So I have Allen Robinson in 80% of my leagues. And even though I am an ageist, I am not freaking out at all. I am not trading him. I'm not going to let this craze of people wanting to get out, out of these tight ends affect me. So I'm just going to ride this wave. And if I am actually rebuilding right now, this is the time to target Allen Robinson, in my opinion, as people start to discount him because of his age, because this is a difference between what actual value is and perceived value. I think Allen Robinson's actual value is, in, is incredibly high. De- Dynasty trade calculator has him at 1.05 for their value. I don't quite have him that way. He's kind of 
10, I have him at my 107, 108 range overall and, and similar things because the only wide receiver that I'm taking over, over him is, is Chase, Jamar Chase. That's it. So a little over the place there, but the main issue is that I am not bailing on Robinson because of his age, because it's too late to do that. You have Robinson. It's time to stick it out and wait until you're in the season and people need that win now piece, but you cannot be getting rid of him in at this point in the offseason because his values are already starting to go down. Love that take. Love that take. Totally agree with it. Uh, I also agree Chase is the only wide receiver I would take uh, over Allen Robinson right now. I just want to go just kind of clarify my whole thing about Pitts. You know me, Dave. I am all about punting tight ends. And for me to be that high on Pitts is he's the exception to my rule. that I'm making an exception for Kyle Pitts. That's what I'm going on. And I don't really feel like I'm bullish on him when I look at him at the 108, 109. And I'm talking about a two tight end, like premium league. And I see people that are like, oh, I can't believe he's making it that far. And it's like, why? It's a deep class in a super flex draft. Like, so to me, like, I, I think Pitts could be a very special talent. I watched him all through college. It's he, he's different. He's just different, man. He, he's an exceptional athlete. He's got an unbelievable like catch radius he his athleticism and body control is just top notch he's unbelievably fast he's pretty much just like drafting a huge wide receiver with a lot of talent man so yeah i get what you're saying about pitts and i'm totally willing to and this is the other thing too is like if you're gonna invest in a tight end with that kind of capital be realistic about year one expect him not to hit you're playing the long game and be patient. Don't give yourself too much hope in year one. It's a hard transition. If he blows up, then you could f- feel like a freaking genius at that point. But I love what you said about Pitts, Dave. He's my exception. That's pretty much what he is for me. And I was really high on Kyle Trask until Kyle Trask did not have Kyle Pitts. And then I was like, all right, this is, that's, that really is what made the connection for me. He's literally going to get Kyle Trask drafted in the NFL because he's that freaking good. Todd, and, and I hear everything you're saying. I just have David Njoku. I'm just, I'm just, and I know they're not even the, people are going to say they're not even on the same level as prospects. Not, not even remotely, Dave. Not even remotely. I understand, I understand that, Todd. But David Njoku had pretty freaking good college production and stellar athleticism stellar athleticism really good college production want to and there's just even look at evan ingram he hit in year one and people are already throwing him in the in the in the dumpster that's a mistake on evan ingram Evan ingram is a buy right now i i agree he, todd he's a buy. I agree but you know what i'm trying to say of that this tight end value is fickle people are already talking about hawkinson might not have the elite ceiling that we originally thought he did and just uh, it's just interesting how this tight end valuation, it's a projection. I'd much rather. So even if it's a two tight end league, Todd, and say it, it takes the 105 for me to get him this year, let's say. I'd much rather just push that on next year. So if he hits or starts to hit, I'll take the 105 and I'll invest a future first and more if I have to. I'll pay the premium because that's how important tight ends are. And I'll do it instead of I'll pay the extra for the sure thing instead of paying premium capital for the for something that I'm not 100% sold on. That's that's the only difference. I'm not saying otherwise, man. I, I totally get that. And I'm not looking at him at 105. I'm saying, like, I love him at the 108, 109 range. You know, I'm not looking to pay up over that. But, yeah, no, man, I, I'm with you. Let's move on to number Sympatico. four. Sympatico. All right. 
wait a minute, what? Simpatico? Yeah, well, yeah, we're, yeah, we're we're on the same page. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> it's whatever. All right. So the <laughs> so the fourth why the fourth free agent we're going to talk about is Aaron Jones. Uh, Dave, where's he falling for you in this sliding scale? So this was really interesting. I had to do a lot of big picture thinking. Look at my rankings. Aaron Jones is an interesting case right now because people were leaving him off for dead. And now it's like this reclamation project of always back in Green Bay. But AJ Dillon's there now. So when it comes to Aaron Jones, I'm essentially taking my top nine rookies over Aaron Jones. And that's pretty bold because in the Dynasty Trade Calculator, he's valued at the 105 in Superflex value. But remember, I'm extremely ageist when it comes to the running back position. I would have been out on him before last season. And that probably looks like a loss in value. However, I'm using whatever draft capital I could have gotten at the time when he was at his peak to get a stud running back or a stud player from last year's draft. And that looks like that would play out pretty well based on last year's draft class. However, this year, I'm probably approaching Aaron Jones a little bit differently because the running back position is different in this year's draft class. So it basically is going to come down to Javonta Williams and Aaron Jones for me. And I need to know more information on Javante Williams before I make that valuation. And honestly, I'm really staying away from any veteran running back who's over 25 before the season starts. If I'm in a win now situation and I'm mid season and that running back is healthy and on a good offense, then I'll play top dollar to put my team over the edge. However, in the offseason, I'd rather stay away from that player. And that's why I'd rather have Aaron Jones. So. You were saying 105 would be the pick that Jones's trade value is at with the trade calculator, correct? Correct. So the point is I'm trying to make is you have those four rookie QBs that are in there and then Jamar Chase. That's like your top five. Throw Najee Harris in there, sure. I, I'm not, but sure, go ahead. The, any of those guys are going to fetch you more trade value than Aaron Jones. Host 100%. 100%. Rookie draft. So why would you do that? You know what I mean? Not to mention just from just a roster, roster construction standpoint, that doesn't make sense. If you're a contender and you have a 105, like you're building yourself to be a contender for longer, just keeping the pick. So yeah, I don't get that. So I'm with Dave and I just want to remind people that like I've been leading the Aaron Jones parade since like this show started. So I'm high on Aaron Jones. I like the upside of those top 11 picks a lot. And you know how I feel about wide receiver versus running backs as well. I think you do got to trust Jones until the wheels fall off. And he's still young. Like, I know what Dave's saying about that second contract. But you're only looking at two seasons with over 200 touches. So he doesn't have that much wear and tear. But where you're looking at is you're kind of looking, I would probably call that like Javante Williams, like Rashad Bateman in that 10-11 range. Once you get to Mac Jones at about like the 112 range, Mac Jones could be a solid pro, right? But he doesn't have the great ceiling in my eyes. So I rather have the top end running back in that situation. The other player that right now that I would be projecting at 201 would be Rondell Moore. And Rondell Moore versus Aaron Jones is very tough for me. And I that would really come down to my roster construction, how I feel about like my chances for next year. If I feel like I'm that running back away from really making a difference, I'm going to sway for Jones. If I'm not quite sure and I'm, I, you know, I could use a little bit wide receiver depth, I'm probably going to Jones, uh, go with Rondell Moore. So that's where it gets a little tough. But Mac Jones, man, he could be solid at best. I don't see him having a top 12 QB ceiling, 
So I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Aaron Jones on that one. I, I would just want to interrupt Todd and say that when you say Rondell Moore at your two, Rondell Moore at your two Oh one. I mean, I, I have Rondell Moore as my one Oh one at this point. So, you know, uh, yeah, I, I definitely don't agree with you there. Everybody knows that, David. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I've been watching him play a long time, bro. I, I'm glad uh, you discovered him. I dropped his name to you a couple years ago, buddy. I remember you talked about Rondell Moore a couple years ago. I remember. All right, just want to make sure. I was like, I was trying, I was trying, I was trying to let you know. <laughs> I, I unfortunately in our league, Todd, I couldn't pick him until now, so or until this year, but. <laughs> I, I I have I have no shares in Debbie. So all right, uh, we're in the same we're in pretty much in the same page. Just a little different draft, like where they fall. All right, number five prospect. We're gonna go with Juju, baby. I'm gonna start this one off. I kind of have him in the same place that I have um, Aaron Jones. So it's Mac Jones again. That 112 range for me. Now I feel like the reason why I'm saying the 112 is not that Mac Jones is my 112. It's not where I would pick him. That's where I think he's going to go in most drafts. I'm predicting what other people might do, not what I would do. That's the way that I'm approaching my ADP. I'm also using the ADP that we have, but that's what I'm saying. So now if you're talking about Juju versus Rondell Moore versus Waddle, that is tough for me. And I would really be digging, digging, digging into that. I probably would lead towards more of Waddle. Now... If we get into where we're looking at the 203 and we're looking at Kenny Galladay, Juju all day. But Juno's been a bit of a roller coaster ride to own. And I do still like him a lot. And this isn't like I don't like Juju's kind of a thing. It's about the upside of these two wide receivers. Rashard Bateman, I've officially moved over more. He's now my wide receiver too. Moore is my wide receiver three. Devontae Smith is my four. Waddle is my five. All of those guys have legit chances to be better than Juju in my eyes. And I'd rather roll the dice on the ceiling and see where those guys hit. Obviously, this whole conversation is happening before the draft happens for a capital and landing spot. Could change everything. That disclaimer is coming out all the time. It is what it is. But the point is, is that I like the upside of those guys. I also find that to be more exciting as in playing the game, to be honest. So I feel like the floor for those guys versus what the ceiling could be for those guys is totally worth the risk over Juju. All right, Dave, tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I don't think necessarily you're wrong. I First off, pour one out for Juju. Last week, I believe we recorded... Be, did we record after the Juju signing or not, Todd? Do you remember? We recorded before he got signed. We did. Right before he got signed. Okay. Because I, I talked about how I was picturing him dancing with uh, Keenan Allen in, uh, with the Chargers, and then that didn't happen. That's right. So... It's been a roller coaster week, Todd. I traded away in our league, which is you start have to start five wide receivers, start three running backs, so it's a deep deep format. I traded away Juju for James Robinson straight up, and that I wouldn't have done before. It was close beforehand because beforehand because I thought Juju was going to go somewhere and maybe achieve some kind of ceiling, but I think he's capped at a wide receiver two ceiling for now, at least in one year, and maybe he. I just don't. I no longer view him as that top five dynasty wide receiver. I didn't. I didn't before the signing either, but it's just tough to envision him ever having that top five potential again. Now, I still like Juju a lot, and that's why he kind of falls. I'll take my top nine rookies over Juju, but I'm willing to say that 110 Javante Williams range, I'm willing to 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 go Juju there. And that's just one reason. I don't know where Javante Williams draft capital is. I don't know where his 
you know, his landing spot is. So that's kind of, it's tough to project Javante Williams for me right now. And then it's, I'll bump a couple of these, these top tiered wide receivers or these second tiered wide receivers. The I'll bump out. I think it's a toss up for me between Rash- uh, Rashad Bateman and Devonta Smith. Those I'll take Juju over them just because it's a risk with these wide receivers there. It is a risk. I'm willing to take the sure wide receiver two production or like, you know, worst case scenario, wide receiver three production with Juju. And I'm just really locked into that where I'd rather just take the sure thing right now. He's being valued at the one Oh nine, the dynasty trade calculator, which is essentially right where I have him one Oh nine, one ten. I'll take Rondell Moore over him because just because I love Rondell Moore, I'll take chase over him. And, and then it's a toss up right now before the draft, if I'll take, Rashad Bateman before him or not, but I'm definitely higher on Juju than Todd is, at least as far as rookie value is concerned. Yeah, and that's not surprising. You've always been higher on Juju in general than me. I mean, I like Juju. Like, I feel like being on this show makes me look like a Juju hater because I'm <laughs> on the show with you. But <laughs> it's true, Todd, but I will say this: I have cooled. I have cooled on Juju yes. for sure. Yes, I would have had have. him up you at have. 106, 105, but now I, I've, I've had to push him down. Right. So here's my question for you. I get we've talked about Javante Williams. We share similar concerns, right? But the thing about Javante Williams is, is like the way that he's able to break tackles, like I and, and so many versatility, versatile pieces to his game. We both talk about the athleticism and the speed being the concern about him in translating to the NFL. If he gets like mid second round capital, ends up in a good spot. Are you still going to pass on a rookie running back with that kind of profile and still go with Juju? Given no. Ross, Ross, yeah, okay, no, and it's just because there is uncertainty for me right now that I, I'm not even sure. I, people are saying that Najee Harris is a, a surefire first round pick in the NFL draft. I'm not sure if not, if Najee Harris is going the first round. I, I I wouldn't be shocked at all if he's going the second round. I wouldn't like late second. Wouldn't be shocked at all. So that just shows you that. Well, if I have Najee Harris going, if I think he's going mid-second, late-second, where is Javante Williams going? So that's just, I have concerns, but if he gets that capital, that investment by a team, I'll take, because we talked about our philosophy a lot, I will invest in the young running backs. Fair, man. Because that's that's the reason I asked you is, is that, like, essentially what you were saying was going against your philosophy, though I know that it was a prospect that wasn't particularly high for you at the moment, but... I get it. Like, like more information comes out, you could change that take, which is totally fair. And like, you can't just be married to this in March. You gotta be willing to grow as new information brings itself to light. Yeah. And by the way, the whole thing about Najee Harris definitely being a first round pick, I feel like that's um sure it's in the wrong possibilities, but I feel like that's mostly people trying to wish it, wish it into existence. The idea of him like landing at fourteen in like San Fran is like insane to me. That like I don't know why you'd put that kind of capital into him. All right. Last one for the night. So our six wide receivers. So this is going to be part one of a part two show for us. Uh, we're going to go with Kenny Galladay. Mine's kind of lame, man. He it's same thing as Juju. I would rather have. I'd rather have Rondell Moore. I think maybe, maybe, maybe Waddle. Like Galladay's tough for me. Uh, I like Galladay's uh, big playability. I think the thing with Galladay is and Juju is. I feel like I just enjoy watching Galladay play more. I, I honestly think this is a little bit more of a fanboy kind of a thing for me, but I love this rookie class upside. Like I'm definitely higher on Bateman. I'd probably take more. I'd take Devontae Smith over him. 
Jalen Waddle, that's kind of like where I'm pushing the Kenny Galladay line. And I love Jalen Waddle. I got a lot of him in C2C weeks. So, but I have I have warmed up the Galladay more on the Giants because he's just so much better than any other option there. And he should see a large uh, target share. Um, Danny Dime sucks. So that does limit Galladay's <laughs> upside for me a bit. If I'm competing, I might want to stick with Galladay over Moore or Waddle. But this rookie class is just too juicy, man. And like, if I'm contending, I'm keeping Galladay. If I'm somewhere in the middle, or if I'm kind of rebuilding, I'd rather be looking at, you know, more Waddle. What about you, Dave? I, this is the same thing for you as your, how you approach Juju is the same way that I'm approaching Kenny Galladay as well. I think there's a lot to be had. We need to remember the, a lot of these rookies, there's going to, there's going to be a lot of Jalen Rager seasons out there. there that happens a lot. There's where they don't, you know, they just see a little, like 15% of the target share for these year one rookies. And I'd much rather take the 110 and, and hit Kenny Galladay, even though he's going to be 28 years old or whatever, he's going to be next season in that offense with Danny Dimes. I mentioned this, I, there was a caveat where I said last week about how these top wide receivers will demand a, will still get, they'll still eat. They have, they will still earn their targets, even if they're in a poor offense. And I agree, Todd, I went off about Danny Dimes in the last Rookie Fever episode where I just eviscerated him. And I will just say that even that being said, Danny, like things are improving for, for Jones in the fact that Saquon's coming back. Hopefully they improve the offensive line a little bit. They, you know, they add in Galladay. That's another weapon. So there are some things that could pro- progress for, for, to where that, Ju- that Kenny Galladay is not left for dead. I don't think people should leave him for dead. And where I take Kenny Galladay, he performs at, he's saying he's like wide receiver 16 to 20 next year, Todd. And one of these t- top tiered wide receivers are kind of not hitting it, living up to expectations. If I'm rebuilding, even though you typically wouldn't target a Kenny Galladay, there's going to be veteran, there, there's going to be teams looking for win now pieces. And if Kenny Galladay's being the Kenny Galladay we've seen, where he had that wide, re- wide receiver nine season in Detroit, there's that I'm, I'm pretty sure it'll be easy where early in the season, where these win now teams would much rather have Kenny Galladay making those splash plays that he's known for. So that's kind of why I'm, I'm still, you know, I'll, I'll happily give up the 110, even if I'm rebuilding for Kenny Galladay. And that's, I think that's a little bit against the grain because people usually say, oh, rebuilding, you want to invest in these rookies, but you, sometimes you can, these rookies, you can get them, these wide receivers in a dip that happened. I got AJ Brown in a dip in two leagues. I got AJ Brown in a trade after he wasn't seeing the field early on in his rookie season because of the hamstring injuries. So the, these wide receivers, they dip a lot. I'll take the sure thing and then turn it for a profit in Kenny Galladay later. All right, fair enough. I rather, I rather try to buy into those rookies that I feel, think about like Justin Jefferson, right? Where you're buying Justin Jefferson is at 112, right? I'm not saying these guys are going to be Justin Jefferson, but the idea is like, you know, you're buying into the upside of the Roma possibilities where those rookies could be. You know, with Galladay, I, I don't disagree with that take. I feel like I'm just willing to roll the dice on a couple of guys. And I also think that this is also part of like playing in the C2C leagues and being more invested in these guys. I don't know, I don't know whether that, and sometimes that's, beneficial and sometimes it's detrimental because you stay connected with these guys you know but um the one thing i wanted to bring up about galladay was is that i have a feeling that he's gonna have a different quarterback in 2022 because you know 
Jones has that's his last year of his contract. The debt cap's around like eight mil. It's not that bad. And um he sucks. Like if he can't do well with the cast they've put around him and a and a and a healthy Saquon Barkley and they're improving that line, like they're gonna be able to move him out. The cap's gonna go up with a new deal. So like they can go out and go get a quarterback, you know? So it's make or break for Danny Dimes this year. This is He's got to prove it this year, or he's no longer a starting quarterback in the NFL. That's it. And then he's- Jason Garrett's gone, Todd, and then Dave Gettleman's gone, and there's just a, there's a whole lot of things that are trending up for, for Galladay. So I like how you brought that up. But at the same time, you're also talking about them trending up. They're all unknown. They could also all be things that do not turn out well for him, too. So I get that. I totally... The, the idea of, of a change is great for that. But my point being is that, like, if you invest in Galladay now and he's actually not doing well because of things around him, mid-season move because you know 2022 should be different, that's a good time to be buying. True. Um, and I, I just remember, Drew Locke supported Cortland Sutton to an amazing season. Like uh, the, There's typical, you'll see these crappy wide receiver ones, like Larry Fitz, and I know Kenny Galladay's not Larry Fitzgerald, but Drew Stanton, Larry, this, whatever, Dan Skelton, whatever his name there's these bad wide receivers, like uh, freaking Amari Cooper. And not that Andy Dalton's a terrible quarterback, but Andy Dalton has sustained top wide receivers in his career. And they don't usually sustain as much outside of that, but that number one guy still eats. All day, baby. All day. Talent will rise. You know, talent will rise, especially with wide receivers. All right. So that is the end of part one of our pick em, free agent or rookie. So we're going to come back with uh, part two next week where we're going to be diving into some a little bit more deeper cuts, probably diving a little bit more into like the second second round, maybe even early third, depending on how deep we get. And um, But yeah, no, it was a good time. Love the format. Looking forward to do another uh, round of this next week. Uh, David, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me at Dynasty League Football. I'm having, I have three articles coming up. I'm going to be writing about Jamar Chase, about Trey Lance, and... Someone else I can't remember. Oh, Rashad Bateman. Yeah, so I'm yeah, so I'm gonna be talking about uh, Jamar Chase, Rashad Bateman, and Trey Lance coming up for DLF as they do their push before the NFL draft. That's gonna be a lot of fun. So keep your eyes out there. Check out the advanced, advanced, advanced stats that are being uploaded onto my Patreon page. It's gonna be after I get those uploaded. Like I'm talking about like yards per route run dating back to 2009. Once I get those up, I'm gonna really start diving in on what's sticky for these advanced metrics. Looking really forward to that. And Todd, always find me here on Tale Two Rivals and over on Rookie Fever. We're doing a lot of fun things over there as well with with Swags and Finero. Todd, great night tonight. We got into it so much that we're going to be able to have two shows out of this, which I'm looking forward to. Absolutely, man. I loved this content, so I'm excited to do another one around. And um, does your advanced stats have uh, yards per reception? It has yards per reception. It has yards per route run, Todd. It's got... Pass rating when targeted. It's got a lot how of about, sexy How things, about Todd. yards per carry? It is. You know, I actually mentioned yards per carry in a rookie profile with Dave Cabin, and I, I almost had to edit it out, but I couldn't because I was so ashamed that I mentioned yards per carry. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So I am Todd Foster. You can find me at FF underscore Banterman on the Twitter machine. Um, love Dynasty. Love Rookies. Love Debbie. Love C2C. Love talking hoops, baby. So, uh, yeah, just hit me up. Um, I'm also love just to just, you know, shooting it. 
Um, I am also, you can find my writing over at the IDP guys. Um, I got rankings over there for C2C. I got rankings over there for Superflex. Um, if you're in a C2C, I have a top 50, top 24 class. Um, yeah, that freshman class coming in, I'm that much of a degenerate. And I'm going to be working on some new Debbie stuff uh, and C2C stuff for writings over there. Uh, definitely look out for the rookie mat coming out with the IDP guys. We're working on with uh, Dynasty Vipers. Uh, we have 80% of our profiles done out of the 144. That's going to be a phenomenal resource. Uh, so definitely go in and get your pre-orders in because I'll be able to get out to you about two weeks after the draft's done and you'll be ready for your draft. Also, you can get digital copies ready the day after the draft. So um, yeah, man, I mean, lots of good stuff going on and uh, I'll be ready for my big announcement in a few weeks. All right. Todd, that draft guide is for the Degenerates draft guide right there. That's going to have a ton of information. Looking forward to that from you guys, Todd. I know you're putting a lot of hard work into it. Love it, man. And for the people at home, almost made a whole show without talking about high school kids. We're at the end with that last incoming class for C2C. Todd keeps his streak alive. There you go, listeners. (sighs) There we go. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, high school kids. I really like J.J. uh, uh, McCarthy in Michigan, man. He looks good. He comes on IG, throws a good ball. I like him. I was about to say, what position is that? I have no idea. <laughs> he throws the ball, bro. Well, there until you, you said that. Until you said that. I was like, I don't know. Who. Oh, all right. Hey, happy trading, everybody. Yeah, Todd. I uh, I was re- when I made that Deshaun Watson for jo- so jo- I traded away Josh Allen for Deshaun Watson, uh, Lavisca Chenault, and you know just Keyshawn Vaughn and and Quez Watkins. Who is I'm targeting him in a lot of places right now, Todd Quez Watkins. Like he flashed he, in like w- one game. I like the idea of Quez Watkins. He he just went in our in that startup, and I was upset. I I, oh, I thought that I, I I thought that he would last. I I was targeting him. I'm like oh, I was gonna forget about him, and I was like, oh, they did. Yeah. So um, like we're it, we're just in a nice in a nice spot, you know. We're playing chess while you know Joey the Tooth playing checkers.